0: Welcome to Dish the Dirt, a light-hearted and fun podcast about Australian flower growers, their stories, knowledge, and insights into the industry. I'm your host Rebecca, and each week I speak to a different farmer and get them to dish the dirt. Dish the Dirt acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live, and recognise their continuing connection to land, water, and community. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Hi, gosh, it's good to be back for a bonus episode of Dish the Dirt. I've missed chatting on here. It's only been a week, but I have missed it. And over the last couple of weeks, I've really had fun recording for season two. So I'm excited to bring that to you. But today is all about Hayden from Bloom Into You and this awesome nerd out chat that we had about regenerative farming. It blew my mind and I'm sure if you haven't heard about this, it'll blow your mind too. But for people who are practicing this sort of farming and perhaps chemical-free, earth-friendly farming, I hope that you glean something from this also. Uh, sit back, relax, enjoy us chatting about soil biology and microbes. Let's get into it. <laughs> How yeah. are you going?
1: Yeah, good, thanks. Good.
0: Yeah, good. Yeah. How's your season going?
1: Uh, it's warming up okay. Yeah. It's going good, mm-hmm, yeah. i nice. um, just waiting for everything to jump up out of the ground. Yeah, cool. Uh, in a big way, yeah.
0: Yeah, nice. Awesome. So I'm pretty excited to talk about this whole region, I can't even say it, Regen egg is what I'm going to say. Yeah, nice. Um, because I watched Kiss the Ground the other night, and I really haven't delved into this side of farming before, you know, like, I think it's something that's maybe relatively new, is it, in... Like in Australia or around the world, or is it something that's been around for a while and we just haven't known about it?
1: Um, <clears throat> well, uh, regen is, I guess, not new, but uh, it's a, a a word or explanation or encompassing word that that everyone sort of is getting behind it at the moment. Yeah. Like uh, regen. I guess there's is is lots of things that have been happening in Australia. It can go under so many different words: permaculture, natural farming, uh, biological farming, biodynamic. Uh, just insert um, anything that's to do with the with the natural systems or biological, or anything that builds on what you have and doesn't take away. That's that's what it that's what okay. it means, and that's what it means to to us. To yeah. Me. Yeah.
0: And why did you decide to use like this method?
1: Um, well, I've uh, <clears throat> I've always been into the the biological workings of the of, of of the plants and and everything, even just just when growing it at home, and and then you've learned some some new things along the way, and it's sort of splits apart your (laughs) splits apart your understanding and your brain and you have to put it back together and and that's the way that you see things moving forward um so it's nice to it's nice and and exciting that's how I find it I love uh it's a whole new world to to dive into and it just keeps getting deeper and I just get so much satisfaction of out of growing that way um yeah yeah, it seems really broad and do good by nature, but it really is technical but easy on the in in the same manner. I think with the right tools and processes. That's the yeah. That's the way. Yeah, that's what I see it.
0: So for you, do you so going right back to kind of what it means yeah. and it being all about like the biology of the soil and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, can you explain to somebody who's you know maybe a bit like me and, and kind of doesn't know about this stuff like what it <clears> entails like so you don't till the soil you don't yeah if you start from the beginning <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah, okay um so before I get into if it's if it's okay for it for me to just take it a, a little bit of a dive and, and dive here with you into into something that draws parallels before I get into what we do and yeah, cool. and what ma- what makes sense for us s- yeah. sort of information that really information that came to me and and really really gets me thinking and, and it's and inform- this all new information is always coming at you with just new new information that just opens up the your knowing in, in such a way but if I can draw some parallels Yeah, go
0: to for to, it. To,
1: to, to the human body, um stick with me uh, everyone and uh, yeah, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yes, just please stick with me. Uh, so the cells that make up <clears throat> the cells that make up our human body, ten percent are hu- are human. Ninety percent of the cells that make up our body are microbes. So, ten trillion human, hundred trillion microbe cells. Mm. So, loosely speaking, there's about twenty-two thousand genes that are human. And over 2 million genes are microbial. So that means 99% of our mat- genetic material within our human body is microbial. So <clears throat> so we're less than, let's say, <laughs> whatever your definition of human is, we're less of 1% human cells. Even though our cells are heaps bigger, much bigger, yeah. There's, yeah, there's only say, 10% cells and yeah and loosely speaking 99 percent of genetic material that makes up our human body is microbial so we took away all the microbes we would die or if you took away all the microbes on your skin or inside your gut biome that's what that's what helps us function Mm. so uh drawing a parallel to to things chemicals and stuff that we don't use it's it's a bit of a no wonder that Harmful chemicals like uh, the popular one, glyphosate, is uh, antibiotic, which mode of action is through the microorganisms' shikimate pathway. It's, it it has the ability to directly affect us or directly kill us. So if you're thinking that ninety uh, percent of our cells are microbes mm. cells and ten percent are human, and then chemicals that attack mi- microbes, they're, they're they're affecting us and through the food chain and wherever that you might find chemicals that are unsavory for microbes. <clears throat> and I'm going pretty, a little bit, might be a bit deep here, bit, but stick no, with me. No, it's fine.
0: No, it's stick, good, please. Stick with
1: me. So I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking out the window. I've got the curtains the open here. I'm sitting at, at my desk. Yeah,
0: nice. And
1: I'm looking out onto the land and everything that I see on the land, not in the sea, above the ground, biodiversity, so different – forms of life everywhere in the world on the land we roughly see 10% of biodiversity so 90% of the land's based biodiversity is below ground so below your feet so 10% is what you see every single it, it, all the biodiversity 10% that you can yeah. see 90% under the ground so yeah. that that tie, ties ties back to my perspective on, on, on the way that we do things here, because it just sort of opens up the, the world in a whole new way. And once you, once you know this, you sort of have a, you, you might not understand or be an expert at everything, but you mm-hmm. definitely know there's a lot a lot going on and a lot of very important stuff, symbiotic relationships and uh, et cetera going on underneath the ground so it's all yeah. happening there so if i'm uh doing things so t- coming circling back round to to s- something that you brought up with telling if i'm circling back round to something that is lowering that life the the biodiversity within the ground i'm stopping key functions uh, normal natural functions that help support plant life or build it quicker or uh, help with the carbon exchange or the, the nutrient cycle Yeah. so that that's that might be a bit of a, a wide net to cast and
0: no, maybe a little great. bit
1: to take on but it it really is about the way i see it and we we see it it's really holistic it's more than just going looking into soil or looking into what fertilizers we're using it really does circle back into a real holistic view like um one more factor <laughs> that, I, that I love is phytoplankton. Yeah. Um, is a bunch of microorganisms within the ocean yeah. that produces 50% of our oxygen. So they're microbes. So every, yeah, wow. yeah, every second breath. Yeah. So starting with that as a base of just understanding or knowing, or at least having some concept of idea of how much microbes and and fungi play an important role within the whole world it's really exciting and cool to find out what relates to what we're doing or flower farming and just super super exciting (laughs) um and just yeah and just helps foster that that passion so much i'm yeah you can probably tell i'm probably a little bit uh too passionate no no it's stuff, good. i'm super passionate i'm just it and, blows yeah.
0: my mind to know that they're you know i've never looked at the soil this way before to be honest <laughs> you know like now i'm out of my garden and i'm like oh, <laughs> like you are actually a living breathing thing which I think, well, that's just very, I guess, you know, very surface level. But um, for me, that's how I'm looking at it. I'm like, this is pretty amazing that also it can do all of these things for us in kind of climate change and all of that stuff, which I think is maybe a whole different subject. But, you know, like, well, yeah, it blows my mind.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, so cool.
0: Yeah. So where do you go? like how did you learn about this and how did you know that this was sort of how you wanted to farm is that the right path yeah that's that's on? a great yeah. question
1: Beck. um I didn't i always had I'm always diving deeper so what i might what i might know 2 months ago 6 months ago a year ago is is always changing and developing into that sort of your own line of thinking or just accumulating all the information and putting it into some sort of comprehensible story that you can use within your life. Mm. Uh, I, I, didn't initially, we didn't initially set out to be, to be, uh, super regenerative, regenerative, yeah. but we were doing it. We, we already had that in mind by nature with, uh, biological inputs. Um, yeah and uh and not using harm, harmful chemicals and trying and trying to look for things that were not harmful to some of the environment like like bees and insects and and, and stuff like that so mm. <clears throat> we just came to an understanding that that's what we were doing and and regen really stuck with us as a as a nice way of not really trying to define something it's more uh, by what you do it's more about the outcome are you
0: yeah.
1: are you building on natural systems and the environment and uh, cranking up the nutrient cycle and and storing a bit of carbon while you're at it or are you doing something that's opposite and and not performing those functions or taking away from their environment so that was a really sticky point for us with the with the word it was just, it just seemed really fitting at the time mm. uh being aware of it and in in the broad sense of cropping and grazing which I'm super passionate about too and uh have a broad set of knowledge of, about that which we don't apply here but it's just uh, great to have a whole understanding on that so yeah yeah the, uh, the, I guess if you wanted to niche it it would be really by the, biologically focused which the outcome is regenerating yeah yeah if that that makes sense
0: yeah it does and what are the benefits of farming this way i know like you know storing carbon all of that but i guess for somebody out there who's thinking well maybe why shouldn't i use roundup because it's easy and it kills all the weeds you know like what are the benefits for your flowers for your farm in doing it this way
1: yeah Um, yeah. So building natural resources. So things that stick around and, and give you your plants and whatever you're growing in the system, a bank of natural resources that you're, they're accumulating. It's kind of cost effective. It's a dollar saved. It's better than a dollar, dollar earned. Um, So, for instance, if you're looking after your soil microbes, the the plants the plants that you grow yeah. really call upon different microbes by excreting sugars into the into the soil below, and whatever sh- specific sugars that they excrete call upon different microbes to perform different functions, and also the the mycorrhizal fungi as well. So they're performing a lot of functions for you that you don't have to, you have to manage in a holistic way, but you're not trying to uh, perform these functions yourself or give the plant what it needs at the exact time. If you're using a broad NPK program that you would be. Hmm. Um, So crossing over to, to fungi. So when you have plants on the ground, don't have access to a lot of fungi or mycorrhizal fungi mm. that the, the plants have to rely on just the roots that they have but when they get teamed up with the fungi and there's heaps there that there's there's just some some incredible things that they do the fungi the the, the plants allow fungi to infiltrate their cell walls the, and at, at the point of roots and and grow inside them. And if you looked inside them with a microscope, they just look like little trees or part, parts of a lung, for instance. Wow. And they join into them and then they extend out into the, the broader network. And then suddenly you've got ten times the the surface area to collect and do the and do the work and 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 cycle those nutrients or pick up those nutrients or so if if you thought about your roots as a blanket size, mm. a certain size, you've suddenly just times that by 10 of things that can come in contact with it just yeah. by having a healthy fungi in the soil. So that's really amazing. That's really cost-effective and things that chop up that fungi or, uh, kill it off say, or just don't support it, or then you're losing that ability to, to basically have the power of 10 for free. Yeah
0: incredible
1: yeah. yeah it's and if the plants are worrying about trying to rebalance the the world below they they're converting energy from the sun and if they're trying to use most of the energy to create the habitat that's below to in order to, for them to to live and get the nutrients that they need then only a percentage of that comes out the top as you know carbon or form of a plant and most of it's supporting the what's below to, for them to even survive but if if there's a if that's already going on below they can and that and the more that they cycle the more that the more energy they can convert that so the more they can grow and the healthier they are and that means you get better healthier plants a, you know, bigger yeah. bigger let's call it bigger yields yeah yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, incredible. So, why do you think it is that or let's go back actually. Yeah. How do you help your soil do this? What are some ways that somebody could implement to start this sort of like biological farming or regenerative farming, like what's
1: Great question because yeah. that's the that's the thing with with everything in life, whether it's work or life is is what's the process, or what are the steps I can take, or what 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 can, what tools can I use? Mm. So for us, so we just had a, a a soil test come back. So we get a soil test from we get a soil test from this this soil food web, yeah. and they test microbe counts, soil health, fungi, active fungi, what type of fungis there are, etc. So for us now, um, we're looking at referencing that and using our biological inputs to match that. But if I rewind it just a little bit yeah. and say how, <clears throat> and talk about how we set up the farm with all the, the flower patches together yeah. to perform these functions that might t- tell a little bit of a, a, a more easier story to understand. So when we set out, when we set out developing the rows, we did, uh, move, the top of the soil. We did till the soil with our, with a rotary hose. So we didn't go through there with a big uh tractor, which would have been fine, um, mm. I guess, um, and chew it all up and put it into beds, which that would have been pretty cool because it would have made a lot of easier work because we have the intent of building rebuilding that. Mm. So we tilled the 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 top or tilt the top of the soil to get it into um take out all the rocks and chop up all the uh the clumps of sod and stuff that aren't going to be for us or not beneficial to growing growing flowers and all our excuse me all our um flower rows are on pretty much on contour so it slows down the movement of water through the so when when rain comes down it mm-hmm. slows the movement of water through the landscape so and they're a little bit raised so if it gets really heavy rain they're able to fill up a little bit and a lot of people were most people do this anyway, but I'll just cover it. Uh, so, that, and the taller the bed, the quicker they dry out. The lower the bed, the the longer it keeps the water. So that's how we set that up, and then we put drip irrigation in, which we and we use what's termed as pulse irrigation. Mm. And that's because we had really hydrophobic soil at the start, which means it it doesn't really hold on to water and it sheds it mm. qu- quickly. We water in short intervals during the days for the to get a seeping effect effect through the, through the soil to match the the transpiration rate. So we set all that, that up to, to slow the movement of water down through and be efficient in water really. So it doesn't run away. We're not running the rows down the hill. So if it rained or when we water, it has the ability to run down, it gets caught in every single row hmm. as, as it comes down. And then also, so once we've, pre- once we prepared the beds and we prep the beds, then we have, uh, a compost that we that we bring in that is um a fresh compost it's kind of chopped up chopped up yeah. straw and um old mushroom compost that's spread on top and then we plant into that and that keeps the keeps everything quite moist and and happy down down below and we're able to so without telling up the soil to be able to put our little plugs into or, or plant into we have that thin layer on top that's able to plant straight into there and then it and then the plant is able to connect with the soil below so if you don't have that mulch on top it gets really hard and the rain beats down on it and so does the sun and it forms a little bit of a hard surface and then everything sheds off it and it's really hard to to get the water to get the water in there Mm. so that's how we go about the irrigation and stuff but as far as biological inputs so we have biological or holistic holistic sprays that we use foliar feeds uh at the moment we're using kelp-based product and fish hydrolysate Mm -hmm. which is kind of like you could draw parallels to cold pressed olive oil you know it's got all the good stuff in it um it's really thick and gluggy, gluggy but applying that on top of the plants and the surface of the mulch and that's that's fungi food so they love it um it's a fatty substance and along with other things that we use like uh humic acid um fulvic acid humic acid um helps helps facilitate that that also so um that's what we're currently using now yeah. which which helps feed the microbes but we're really leaning into feeding the fungus at the moment because we have we have lots of fungus in the in the soil, but a lot of it's asleep. It's not awake, okay. so we need to we need to feed it and wake it up, so it can start performing more functions. And one of those things that we're that, that another thing that lots of people do, but it's really cool to know, um, is colonizing the roots with a micro a um mycorrhizae inoculant. So in the same way that when you make yogurt and milk. sort of have to or homebrew even you sort of have to have a, a a fairly clean host without too many microorganisms in it so that the the yogurt bacteria that you want to put into your milk is able to have a little bit of a stronghold and take over the the milk and populate itself quite easily and that's the same way that you can use the mycorrhizae inoculant on your either on your seed or we uh we we dip the uh, the plugs in, but we're going to look at uh, mixing it into our seedling mix. So as soon as the root comes out, the first roots touch this and it's awoken with water, it immediately colonizes the roots. Therefore, there's no struggle there with other types of, there are going to be lots of other type of fun, fungus there in the rhizosphere, but it has a good chance and that immediately soon as it gets into the ground it's going to have bigger roots it's it's got access to 10 times the the nutrients um the surface area just from just from that little act there yeah uh, which is that's super cool so that's that's what that's that's what we do and heaps of the stuff um people are doing all over the show and uh they don't necessarily align or they have different words for what they do but it's but it's all, uh, it all does the same, same thing.
0: Yeah. And why do you think that perhaps this method isn't used in like bigger agriculture or do you think it's becoming more prevalent now?
1: Uh, It's coming, becoming more prevalent now, but it really has a, just to be really broad Hmm. uh, chemical, synthetic fertilizers were sort of came about, um in the form of urea and, and nitrates it's a chemical process um, way back in the day and then we uh, then we had uh, the conventional sy- farm system which is called conventional now but it's really the non-conventional system I think mm. um, or uh, non-normal which uh, really does grow a lot of food uh, but, we're only a, we're only into this quite young. We haven't been doing this for a long time. And if you just take a look at some some countries where you might read back in old texts and stories, you know, going back to the Arcadian times or Babylonian or around the, around Mesopotamia area, you know, modern day Iraq, Jordan, that sort of places, places mm-hmm. where there's lots of stories of milk and honey and uh, really healthy um, growing. We can see where uh over over overgrazing over tillage and and even that without chemical fertilizers has really done damage just by stripping away plants but then you uh add into the mix chemical and, and over tillage it's um it strips a lot of bit, a, a little bit more um it's really also backed by a lot of the uh, companies hmm. uh that make money from the system and I'm by no means saying that 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 that's wrong or it was wrong to to go this way but it's definitely it definitely uh there's definitely better ways of going about it Hmm. now I think it's uh a bit of a mindset uh paradigm with with change and I think it's I think it's coming and I don't think it's by flying a huge big green flag or wearing a big green super cape and saying (laughs) (laughs) green all the way yeah, it, it really is about when you use regenerative practices, degenerative practices really just fall to the wayside. It's not about fly the green flag. It yeah. really is like what what helps you make more money, what helps you and your family be more healthy and the people that are connected to you mm. and the people that use your products. It, it It's it, – it really just falls to the wayside and it leaves – it leaves the the building regenerative practices or things that you implement standing on top as profitable and banking natural resources that's that's yeah. the way I see it, and it really is changing there are there's big implements coming up now which have been around for a while and but it really gathering speed now, and really really people are crafting crafting the methods and as such for for this sort of implementation of of regen or or biological carbon building farming Hmm. there's really big options now like uh there's there's cedars that don't disturb the ground you don't have to till up the ground that doesn't turn over the ground admittedly you have to change change your processes of course like uh you wouldn't go spraying it off. You're probably going to be incorporating grazing to bring to, to eat down the, the last crop or the cover crop low enough and implement um, good variety timing. So you're able to seed directly into the, into the ground without spraying it off or, or, or tilling it up. And there's, there's so much new cool stuff coming up. So a lot of common practices to spray off, the finish of your, of your crop, or even if you cover crop, which is cool, which is the more living things that you have, the more energy, energy exchange into the ground, the more you're going to keep the microbes and fed. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you, you have the options. Now you don't have to spray off and kill off with glyphosate or, or something else you have the option to there's big super machines. Now, or even small ones, you can do it by hand, which which are called roller crimpers or crimpers where that cover crop like a rye or rye grass or oat is crimped in such a way at a certain point in its growth life where it's uh, at the end of its flowering cycle or coming into its flowering cycle, just about to set, set the seed. And it's really, it's really uh, in, fully invested in flowering or seeding. And it doesn't really have the ability to start revegetating. And it's crimped at that point, And that just lays down flat, and then people are able to uh, seed directly into that. It, I'm talking about big wow. broad acres stuff. Yeah. And it keeps the ground covered. The roots are still there and they're not, yeah, they're not getting burnt up. Yeah. And that's just some of the stuff that's around now. And I think we have um, some, of, I think we might even have the, the first Nash uh, internationally accredited carbon credits and, and on farms oh, okay. here have just come out now.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which is really
0: one of my questions, actually. It's really
1: cool. Yeah. I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, for you, when you're changing a bed over, just, you know, like say you're finished with your spring crops and you're planting your next ones, you just go and lay, just so I've got it in my head. Yeah. Yeah. For people who don't understand, you would just, how do you pull them all out without disturbing the soil, or you don't pull them all out? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, it depends. Um, some things just sort of come out,
0: yeah,
1: and have a small root mass, but preferably it's easier and more beneficial to cut them off at the ground level. Okay. So we'll so say if there's you name it, like uh, say if there's slow setter, just growing there, and then it's mm. finished, and I come through there and cut everyone off at ground level, and admittedly do some weeding because we're in the early stages now and the more you do a no-till the more the less the less seeds are at the top of the um soil in the seed bank that begin germinating so the weed pressure does get easier yeah so we cut it off at ground level so that leaves the roots in the ground everything everything underground is still having a good time and uh feeding but although that uh, the energy exchange has gone you've left organic matter in the soil and yeah. then plant around that. So we might either plant directly around that or we will put on a thin layer of compost yeah. and then we'll plant straight into that. So I'll rip back the uh, the drip lines, yeah. put the compost there, spread it over, uh, put the drip lines back and then plant straight back into that uh, and and that's how we roll. Um, yeah, it might get uh some biological fertilizer. But uh last season we I we only did it twice at a really uh low rate. Kind of mm-hmm. the stuff that you see in the same similar stuff that you see in Bunnings called Rooster Booster. Yeah. So, yeah. Um so that's the the granular stuff that goes down.
0: Yeah.
1: And and then we're back into it. And then I might uh well, that will that will get a spray at a certain stages with whatever's necessary for the time, but mostly it's kelp and humic acid. Which humic acid doesn't really come out, uh, when the flowers are coming, because or when you need to have nice color because it's um black and staining. Mm. Um, yeah, but yeah, with then we can cha- that. no, <laughs> no, we can ch- <laughs> we can change it over for fulvic acid, which increases the 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 uh the ability to uptake nutrients to from 20 to, to maybe let's say just 25% uptake through that, through the leaves, through f- foliar feeding. So that just, mm. that just helps bump that up. And, and then again, with the fish hydrolysate um, where we need it, but that, that's not, uh, that won't be used as uh, uh, every week or every second week. That's uh, maybe at the moment, we're going to do that twice a season and then when we retest we'll see what sort of results we got whether we need to uh, go a bit harder with that um and just see see how our fungi is and what what our ratios are and what's awake and what's still asleep yeah
0: awesome. so that's how
1: how we do it and admittedly there's a lot of weeding back um yeah. some of the rows uh because of the the mulch that we use some rows are fantastic just a dream um low weed pressure the mulch just smothers out all the little seedlings and it's just awesome. Uh, some rows that we have uh, have rhizomous, like creeping weeds. And when I put mulch on the top of that, <laughs> they just say, thanks, mate. And then they just <laughs> go sideways and sort of take over it in a, in a big mat. And that's just, uh, we're going to have to smother those out with paper or or some sort of biodegradable product. We currently don't use any any weed mat, although you can get organic biodegradable you know organically certified biodegradable weed mat Mm. uh, in australia um i really love the idea of leaving it open and being able to to really get get the get the stuff that we need on on top straight onto the mulch or onto the onto the ground and also having the freedom to just cut them off weed it and then interplant around those roots so that's really important to us so even though that's that might be a good option that would be nice to um maybe smother out some of these rhizomous sideways moving uh weeds that we have or unwanted plants um mm-hmm. we're we're currently just uh not using that at the moment. We're using paper and cardboard especially in the rows which we use wood chips from up the road at the at the sawmill and that that keeps it really so awesome when when we put that down so uh holding retaining so much moisture under underneath the the foot foot rows and when you just Mm. move the mulch away so we use a bit of newspaper if it's a bit weedy and just put newspaper or cardboard down that we pick up along the way on our deliveries and and then lay that mulch straight down which we need to do another round of that this year but that that's really cool and when the rain comes down that it, it breaks it up and it doesn't smash the ground and make it really hard. So if you can imagine under the what ways too, is quite friable and nice and, and the, and the wood chips there are there able to be uh, hosts for fungi and, and Yeah. It's all, it's all good stuff there yeah. <laughs> next awesome. to each other. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: So if somebody was wanting to do one thing in their garden to improve their soil health or fungi, Humus, all of that kind of stuff. What would you recommend?
1: Hmm. Uh, mulching, I guess, would yeah. be. If I had to choose one thing, would be mulching, keeping the moisture there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could easily just start ranting on about uh, other stuff, but mulch is good. If you're not using mulch, use use mulch. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yep. any specific types of mulch
1: um there can be some ones that uh do lower your ph etc but i would just say use whatever you can get your hands on yeah. sometimes mulch can be carrying other things which is not cool um sometimes when you get uh straw like you might think that you might get a bit of straw from your chicken coop and throw that out but then you realize the straw is has full of seeds and then suddenly you've got a whole garden of Grass in your in your garden, <laughs> that, that's not cool. But straw or the or chaff or or or, or old sugar cane or all the stuff that's at the tip that everyone might have seen at your local tip, depending on where you are, that has been sitting right at the back and it's in big piles and every and and a whole bunch of different random stuff. Um, green green waste has been there. That can be a good option, and they generally don't charge you for it. It can be really annoying and if you're doing a big space that could be hard to get to but if you're just doing a little veggie garden take a fork with you because fork is the go when it comes to mulch um hmm. not spade or shovel
0: hmm, why usually is
1: that? Uh, it's just really hard to if you've got chunks of wood in there it's just really hard to get a good dig okay. if you've got a nice hard bottom then I'm, <laughs> getting technical here square mouth <laughs> shovel is the go because you can slide right in underneath it but yeah. uh yeah you just had to rock rock roll out with one grab the fork yeah uh, yeah grab it for free when you come back from the tip put it across your garden and you'll see so much moisture just being retained in there uh yeah that's going to do wonders just by itself
0: yeah yeah and what have you i guess what i want to ask is what have you really taken away from all of this and what have you really noticed on your farm, like through all of these methods, what's sort of been the best and the biggest impact? Is it just having healthy plants and you don't have to do as much to them, or is it is there something else? Does that question make sense?
1: Yeah, it totally does. I think it's healthy plants plants back. Yeah. Uh people may or may not be aware. I mean there's gonna be people that are listening that are totally aware of this, but if you're not aware the insects little let's call them antennas aren't for feeling out things they' they're like they are, are electromagnetic aerials or antennas and they can pick up on plants that are sending out an electromagnetic signal like somebody's aura or just the, the energy that's within a, a plant or or a person whether that that is the right conditions for laying its or reproducing, which might mean itself or its eggs eating that plant because the plant has weak cell walls and it's saying, pick me, pick me out of a whole bunch of plants when when the insects are flying over and they just they pick up on it and then they can go straight to that plant and it's not because they're bad or the plant is bad, or it's just they're just performing their function, they're looking for the garbage or something that's easy with weak cell walls to be able to break in, to start eating and start reproducing. So the healthier your plants are, they, they don't even, they don't even look at, 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 at food. And in some cases the chemical makeup is too much sugar, or let's say the bricks reading is high, which Mm. can also make the insects sick inside. So they just don't even come near it. It's not like they want to. They just—it's not even doesn't even register them that they should be even taking a seat on that leaf and and taking it eat. Or if they do, they go this is not for me, and they and then they cruise off. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that's been cool um, to see. And we do uh, bricks measurements, which is kind of makes you feel like a scientist. It's um you can use it in homebrew too. It's a refractometer, and you squeeze the the leaf onto the glass and you flip down the, the glass plate and then you hold it up into the, into the sun and that will give you a, a sugar content or a bricks reading. Oh, wow. And that tells you uh, how much, how healthy your plant is. So yeah. if you've got a really low bricks reading that m- might not be so healthy, or if it's really high, it's a good indication of it being really healthy. Like um, yeah. And it, it 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 really does uh help you help you understand about some of the the biological inputs that you use so if you might do a foliar feed you might do a breakfast reading beforehand and then check the uh afterwards you know half an hour afterwards to see how much effect did this really have at um how much was immediately taken up by the plant and in sugars which obviously crank up the cycle and sugars go down and carbon goes gets converted and everything goes round and around yeah Yeah. so that's been that's been good for us because what we only use neem oil at certain times if we, if we need to, which is uh, just uh, a type of um, really thick, gluggy um, spray that you can use. That's taken from the neem tree and it's has a systemic effect. And the only thing about neem is you have to be careful is that you don't want to be spraying your flowers or have it come in contact with where bees come because, that can be bad for the bees in the colony, So that's okay. something to keep in mind, keep in mind to mind of. Yeah.
0: So have you noticed any, and this is a bit holistic, but any changes in your family through farming this way?
1: Uh, yeah. Good question. Uh, I'd like to say yes, but mm. I'm trying to think of one good example uh in in the out- in the outcomes I think if you're not um if you don't have any worry about maybe farm chemical, chemicals or kids touching stuff that they shouldn't affecting with their microbiome and their microbes, which are ninety nine percent of their body yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that can that helps everyone just uh move around as they should naturally within your landscape without having sort of no-go areas except for maybe the foxies which um aren't great for kids to be touching and putting in their mouth or rubbing their eyes fox gloves yeah um, yeah uh, apart, apart from that yeah I, I, that's a
0: pretty good I, answer I, I, I just feel like really. it's
1: it's very it's yeah it's hard to put a finger on it back it's hmm. it just it just works and it's the whole picture, just like you say, holistically. But it's really hard to, to put, put put it down to put one one to, one changed. Yeah, down to, yeah. that's a really good question because I'm totally stumped on. Giving
0: <laughs> <that> <laughs> it's, no, answer. you've you've answered. Um, and also, Hayden, do you teach this? Like, if somebody was to be really interested in this way of farming and wanting to implement more, could they come to you and talk to you? um reach out do you take you know just do you take anyone onto the farm to chat to them about it or i'm
1: yeah not lately um yeah but <laughs> uh due to circumstances but we have uh we decided oh, yeah, COVID. yeah. yeah <laughs> <COVID>. <laughs> uh we decided that that i just love i love sharing and teaching back so yeah it really learning something and passing something on just really gets gets me super fired up and passionate mm-hmm. uh especially younger kids mm. and stuff. And I really got that passion from uh, doing a little bit in outdoor education with um with school kids and just yeah having that that passion and teaching. But yeah, we've we're implementing and we're developing ways that we can share for want of a better word, the bloom into your way how we how we roll out here and how we do things uh, on farm. And that's that's something that's that's going to be expanded on. Uh, looking into the into the future and we're looking to get school groups out here um and develop some content and uh and center-based learning um participants out here and also people that are interested in just seeing how how that they can maybe pick up on a few things and chuck them into their toolbox and start using them straight away and feel confident that they've seen it in play and it's not just uh somewhere some pie in the sky uh Mm -hmm. stuff because which it can be because it really is a uh, some things are really a big change in learning and it's a, a real physical change within the way that when you learn anything new it definitely is it's not just a new idea or a new way of doing things things have to really physically change to, mm. to have a better understanding. So that's something that's really important to us, being able to facilitate that. And that's what we'll be looking at doing along with opening up our farm to an open source mentality with uh, having data points or a location to facilitate research, with it, whether it be uh, flora and fauna or the environmental or water uh, or the bird life and um yeah that's that's also that sort of pairs up with that too that yeah. that creates a place that's open and not um not closed and, and more about sharing uh, i think that lots of stuff that i've learned has been kindly grace gracefully give, given to me for free and mm. i found it for free i have put it together and and people have been kind enough to share their playbooks let's call them um with the way that they do things. So, yeah. And that will tie in nicely with our, with, with us, um, doing a lot of our plant outs because we save, we, we do a thing where we save uh 2% of our profits and we uh planting out habitat and wow. trees. So mm-hmm. on our place. So that's a cool way. Bloom to you is a very cool vehicle, financial vehicle for us to do cool things, which, define cool but cool for me is making (laughs) and us and Tash is making uh, habitat corridors so our first port of call is linking up strongholds in the in the landscape plantings of trees that have established themselves and then linking up those in corridors so that uh, habitat and can travel freely between between these parts safely and just have a place to chill out when the sun gets hot yeah that oh, all links back. Cool. Yeah. So
0: inspiring. I feel like I could talk to you for ages <laughs> about this. Is there something that I've missed asking you about this whole practice um, that really you wanted to get across? Because for me, I'm very base level. I don't understand it all. I think we so, are, uh, yeah
1: yeah um that. yeah uh I guess. It's not what you missed, but I guess one thing I'd like to to touch on because you've had some, we've had a great chat and you've had, had some great questions and, and just yeah, brought the conversation to a really uh, interesting for me. I, I really like it how people, consumers and florists are getting really inspired by, by where they're, where their products come from and what they can use. And not only that, the story behind them and how they can be confident and strong in knowing the background on some of the products that they use Mm. and being able to – when the consumer is looking for a story and looking for a connection and wanting to know that the processes and what's happened behind everything up until, say, that bouquet is – has been good because whenever you buy a bouquet or whenever you sit down to eat, you're participating in farming. The farmer really chooses, but on a grand scale, it's the people and who are enjoying these things. They're the people who really choose Mm. and to be able to, to know with confidence and especially for a lot of people that are reaching out to us now, a lot of, uh, floral event designers, florists, um, wedding designers they they really there's really starting to be a need for a backstory to know that things have been done in a, a certain way and and everyone can enjoy part of what they what they want to enjoy in the way of flowers in a, a in, in, in true enjoyment and knowing that it's things have been done in a respectful way and building in the environment and it's not just uh you know, chucking your nose into it, like everyone chucks their nose into a bunch of flowers. Do you want, we want people to know that when they do, when someone gets kindly gifted a bouquet, that everything's everything's really healthy and cool down to a, a microbial level that's yeah. uh, super healthy when they experience their flowers. So that's 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 what I wanted to touch on there. And I think it's cool that everyone's, everybody um, that maybe we're attracting alike attracts alike but we're seeing a lot of a lot of this um with people that are reaching out to us which is just so cool uh aligning ourselves with just people that are are singing the same song i guess that's a really cliche way of saying it but that that really does stick
0: yeah and i highly encourage anyone like a florist to really, you know, ask these questions and get out and talk to the farmers because I think it eventually ends up making your product so much more special. And I believe that you use the flowers in a different way when you know where they're coming from and how they're grown. That's my belief.
1: That's so cool that you said that yeah. because that has come back to us in different ways <laughs> what you just said that, mm. yeah, using them in just more inspiring ways. That's so cool. But... Yeah. <laughs>
0: and hey if somebody wants to get in touch with you guys just remind me again how they do that
1: yeah uh check us out on uh the gram um bloom underscore into you and also our website bloomintoyou.com.au and if you want to contact us there uh definitely contact us there or reach out to us via email directly just info at you uh, info at bloomintou.com.au which is you know also part of a contact form on our website but yeah awesome. definitely do
0: yeah great thank you so much that was an awesome conversation and it's so inspiring so inspiring I'm going to get out there and put mulch all over my garden now <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice Good to hear. This, this has been a really really cool uh opportunity to share for, for me also back so thanks heaps. Yeah,
0: Thank you. Thank you so much to Hayden for sitting down and chatting to me about your farming practices. I was so pumped after this conversation and I really hope that other people feel the same way. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with Tash and Hayden from Bloom Into You, you can do so via their Instagram at bloom underscore into you or their website at bloomintoyou.com.au. If you would like to leave a review, you can do so at Apple Podcasts. If you would like to get in touch with me or be on the next season, you can at dishthedirtpodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, we've got a couple of new other bonus episodes coming up. Um, Yeah, until then, stay safe, stay happy, keep planting those plants and keep being blooming fabulous.